Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? Um, you look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait till next year where we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 143 presented by the Fantasy Points Media. And joining me as always, we have Major Caldwell, Tara Roberts. How are y'all doing tonight? Good, good, good. Doing wonderful. Tara, are you feeling a little bit better now that the nest isn't as empty as it was earlier today? You know... It's empty, but I didn't get to actually enjoy it. So it's more like, you know, <laughs> it's more like kids growing up right before my eyes. Did you did you cry a little bit? <laughs> I did. Not as much as my two-year-old. He, it, it, uh, it, he took it the hardest. <laughs> thought he was being abandoned. <laughs> All right. Why are you leaving me? I'll be good. Yeah. He's like, Blair, Blair, where's Blair? I'm like, oh. <laughs> Well, it sounds kind of like you're, uh, you feel like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You feel like Tom Brady coming back right now because Tom Brady's coming back to Tampa Bay. We talked about this on the show last week. Major's totally against Tom being gone. Tara's like, eh, whatever it is, what it is. But Tom's coming back and nobody else is there. Listen, we've got bodies <laughs> gone in Tampa Bay right now. Since the last time Tom was kind of ch- chilling out there, Alex Kappa, he went to Cincinnati. Ali Marpet, he's already retired. Tristan Wharfs has that oblique injury. Jensen has that knee injury, and now Aaron Steeny, he goes down. He looks like he's going to be lost for the whole season. Maybe maybe Brady's thinking about going back to the Bahamas where he was wearing a mask and not on the mask singer. Uh, Major, quick thoughts here on Tom Brady coming back and the offensive line not being there. I think that, honestly, I really do think that that's the team kind of showing Tom like, hey, you need to be a part of this. Like you're going to, we'll give you the same treatment that you gave us. Like I think it's a little get back by the team for just a little bit. Are you, are you saying the big guys are kind of maybe uh, going down a little too easy right now? Maybe a little, maybe they need a little vacation. No, I, I just think they're showing him that, Hey, you left when we needed you. So we're going to leave when you need us. It's better. They do it this way than do it in the game. And he ends up getting hurt. So this is the, I think this is the safest way to prove a point, you know? Major really thinks to try to prove a point to Tom Brady here. Now, Tara, I need you to prove a point to the rest of Twitter. What side of the Isaiah Likely hype train are you on right now? Because the guy went off for eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And now we're hearing right now on Twitter reports from beat writers and whatnot that he may be the third option in this Ravens passing attack. Now, mind you, we're talking about James Prochet here. We're talking about Devin DuVernay as possible third options here. Is Isaiah likely the third option in this Ravens passing game? And is this a thing? Is this really going to be a thing? Um, I'm firmly on the hype train. I do have some dynasty investment in Isaiah likely. So uh, yeah, I'll jump on that one. But um, it makes sense. It really does. I I know it feels like, you know, sometimes with beat writers, you kind of have to take it at will because they kind of, you know, grasp on to people that they like. And I can see where you would grasp on and really like and want to push him. But the receivers there, I mean... (laughs) 
we've kind of been waiting for someone to kind of be that person to step up behind Bateman. We don't know exactly who it would be. And it makes sense to kind of go with a, I mean, they integrate the tight end so much there in Baltimore. So it makes sense to go with a two tight end approach and really focus on adding Isaiah likely versus putting the focus on another receiving option at receiver because likely has looked fantastic. I mean, he looks, he looks dominating. It's not surprising because it's not like he was a tight end that we expected to come in and be a blocking tight end. We, he was drafted to be a very, you know, a very athletic um, physical receiver receiving option. So this, it makes sense that they would trend this direction. You know, I'm not totally against that. I'm not as big on likely as most people are right now. I mean, he's, he was up there for my tight ends when it came to this draft class. I wasn't, very high on many of these tight ends to begin with. Now, Major, as our former junior college running back there at the College of the Canyons, home of Marquise Hollywood Brown, we need to talk about the breaking news here that Kenyon Drake is probably going to get released. What are your thoughts for the Raiders here in that backfield? Is this one of those situations where they're just going to run Josh Jacobs until he can't run no more? Is this Zamir White has actually taken hold of that RB2. Is Brandon Bolden a thing or Amir Abdullah there? And then kind of give us some ideas where you think Kenyon Drake fits for fantasy. I think they finally got it right. Like you have to let Jacobs run the ball. Like he's one of those running backs you have to feed. Having another like 1A, 1B thing, I don't think that's going to get him to his full potential. Um, so I do think it's his, his offense now. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot, so I think they're going to take some weight off of uh, Jacobs with, with the passing game. Um, and I like I like Zara White. White is doing a pretty good job as a fill-in, low change of pace back. And for um, – gosh, what's his name? You just said the one who's leaving. Drake. So Kenyon Drake, I'm trying to reach out to any league mate right now, and I'm trying to pick him up in every league because if he lands somewhere like Atlanta, he can be the man. If he lands somewhere like uh, – where else can he go? I can't think what of – What about a team like the New York Giants right now where they're looking at Ja'Shawn Corbin. They need that good kind of backup, Devontae Booker type guy to Saquon Barkley. Is that a good fit? It's a good fit, but I still see Drake as a one somewhere. That's why I was thinking like Atlanta. I was trying to think who else needs a one. I think just the only one that pops in my head is is Atlanta right now. But other than that, if he's coming in as a change of pace, I think that's a perfect fit. You can see him in a few situations like that. So um, I'm trying to pick him up while everyone's down on him right now. Throw some uh, trade requests in. You might get him for cheap. I love I love Tara's poker face. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify right now, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Tara has something to say on this subject because you can always has something to say about everything. So, so, what are your <laughs> thoughts, here, Tara, on the Kenyan Drake news? What are you What are you thinking? What are you feeling? <laughs> I I think it would kind of be poetic for him to go back to Arizona as the pass catching back there because I just I just really can't fathom that Arizona really has that much confidence in. Eno Benjamin and um, and Daryl Williams. I just it doesn't really ring that Daryl Williams or Damian Williams. I can never no. It's always been mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> like, Daryl. Damian's in Atlanta. Daryl's okay, but um, but yeah, I think it would make sense um for them to try and bring in someone that can be a solid pass catcher because as of right now, their best pass catcher is in fact, James Connor, but they don't want to put that workload on him. So that would be, I think that would be a good landing spot for him and he would have some good value there. I love how you mentioned poetic justice. Cause we're going to turn our attention to the Carolina Panthers where 
Matt Rule has decided to go with the lesser of two evils and name Baker Mayfield his starting quarterback week one against the Cleveland Browns, who are literally paying Baker Mayfield to try and beat them in week one. Tara, what are your thoughts on this quarterback situation in Carolina? I mean, the NFL just couldn't write a better script. I know they were super happy about this one. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I 100% expected Baker to win the job. I think we all did. And, you know, it's beautiful. We get a week one revenge game matchup. So we'll see what Baker comes out firing with. It'll be very, very interesting. Baker is for sure going to go off. Like, he's going to have that chip on the shoulder. He's probably going to throw for, like, 400 yards. So if you're going <laughs> to play some player props that week, make sure you take the over on anything that Baker's dealing well, I know I keep across this this weird TikTok type of thing coming on my Twitter space there about good players on bad teams and how you should avoid them unless they're DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. So DJ Moore, Tara, kind of pointed out that, hey, this is the year for DJ Moore. And a lot of that's going to count on what Baker Mayfield can do, especially when you're talking about a wide receiver who's putting up 1,100 yards per season, but he's only getting to the end zone four times a year. That number right there. He needs more than four tutties to become fantasy relevant. I think Baker Mayfield helps that where he's already supported wide receiver ones in the past. Now, speaking of wide receiver ones from the past, you know what? Stop me if you've heard this before. Water is wet, and Michael Thomas has a hamstring injury now. <laughs> Major. <laughs> Please, break this down. I mean, Calvin, Calvin's no longer here with us on the show because I know he'd have something to say about Michael Thomas here. All but right. we're dealing with someone who battled injuries and then an ankle, and now he's got a hamstring. It's one thing after another for Michael Thomas. Just when that ADP started to creep up to that wide receiver 30-type range, we're dealing with a hamstring injury two weeks really before the season kicks off. And we know, I mean, hey, if I get a hamstring injury, that's going to affect me probably for the next 17, 18 weeks. I'm no professional athlete by any stretch yeah. of anyone's imagination, but I can't think that he's just going to be healed in two weeks. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. He's he's one of my guys. He actually played in one of my rival high schools, so he's from the same area around there. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I hope it's a veteran move. Like, you know, vets kind of like fake an injury so they don't play in the preseason. He's going to come out 100% like – I hope it's something along those lines because if that's not the case, it's just like my man is just injury prone at this point. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Um, but I do want him to be all right. Healthy, he's one of the best receivers in the game. Um, and they really missed him in that offense the last, like, two years. So, yeah, I, I hope it's all just like a, a vet move. I don't know. I, I can't see him being hurt again, right? Well, you know what? It, it is what it is at a certain point. I mean – a duck is still a duck no matter what it looks like when it's all said and done. And Michael Thomas is still Michael Thomas when we're all said and done. Yeah. Now, Tara, when we hit the that running back dead zone, we always talk about that running back dead zone. And we kind of say, you know what? We're going to go grab some wide receivers here. Is Michael Thomas still in that consideration once we hit that running back dead zone, which is kind of that Elijah Mitchell, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris type range? No, but I'm, I don't, I'm not, okay. I don't want to say I'm anti Michael Thomas, but I'm not a, I'm just not doing it. I really genuinely don't believe, (laughs) I genuinely don't believe, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been a while since we've actually seen the man on the field. So for him to kind of pull a veteran move and want to, you know, skip the preseason, man, you need the preseason. You need to see some game action because it's been a while. So I think it's a real injury and I'm, you know, highly concerned that unfortunately this is just, I think he hit his wall and I genuinely think we might be looking at a, 
the return of uh, AJ Green situation versus a you know major comeback. So unfortunately, I'm I'm out <laughs> on Michael Thomas. It's a good thing I can. I thought that. I just let you speechless. Right. You. Well, you know, hey, well, when was the last time I was held speechless? Let's be honest. I seen his hands going, so I was like, oh, he's he's going in too. <laughs> but when we look at things here now, is Michael Thomas maybe better suited in best ball? You kind of mentioned AJ Green type role. Are those are we going to see some good weeks to go with some maybe mediocre weeks from Michael Thomas? Is that kind of what we can expect as fantasy managers? I mean, if he's if he's on the field and healthy, I, I think that we'll see some good weeks out of him. I just don't know how much of that we're going to be able to get. That's my problem there. I you know I believe in the talent. I just need it to actually physically be on the field. Well, if you want to make sure you are physically on the field, but you can't be on the field, head to fantasypoints.com because they will put you right in the action for all those fantasy football needs. Use promo code. 22 Vipers 10 to get 10% off that subscription today. We're talking about Graham Barfield, Joe Dolan, John Hansen here, Scott Baird, Wes Huber. I mean, I could go on, Tom Broly, I can go on and on about that team over at fantasypoints.com. Make sure you get that subscription. You will not regret it. But what we may regret is what we're heading on to next a little 1v1, a little it's terror time versus at way too major media. Yes, we have new Twitter handle for Major Caldwell here going with the way too major media. Look a little bit more professional. I like the sounds of that. But do I like the sounds of where you guys stand when it comes to Michael Pittman? Now, Michael Pittman has been a hot topic on the show a couple times. We had the, the head shakes a couple weeks ago. We had the double head tilt going on the week before that. I mean, Michael Tom- Michael Pittman now. See, now I'm thinking about Michael Thomas. Michael <laughs> Pittman really has our attention here and it seems like you kind of got two lines drawn so i'm gonna put it this way tara you're gonna be arguing for michael pittman being a top 12 wide receiver this season and major you're gonna argue against him being a top 12 wide receiver so anywhere from 13 on is where you get credit for here and i think why do i get this feeling that paris campbell is going to factor in this equation tara make a case for michael pittman I feel like the case for Michael Pittman is super easy to make. Um, I'm all I'm all in on Michael Pittman. I'm grabbing up the shares wherever I can because I feel like his ADP also hits at a really sweet spot where you're able to get him and not necessarily if you need to lean on him as a wide receiver one, you can, but you can also maybe go wide receiver early first round or early second round and then pair him up and have him as your wide receiver too. So there's so many options and ways to utilize him from a fantasy perspective. But looking at Michael Pittman last year, 88 receptions, over a thousand, all uh, nearly 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He could improve in that area a little bit, and I think that's where Matt Ryan comes in. Um, again, you know, when we look at Matt Ryan, last year was dreadful, <laughs> of course, but unfortunately, he Atlanta as a whole was dreadful. Matt Ryan literally had no receivers to throw to, and I think he's still got some juice left in him, um, and he's moving over to a team where he's got a much improved offensive line. He's got new weapons. He's got a fantastic run game um, and he's no longer on an unfortunate poverty team. And he's going to be a very stable option for Indianapolis. And they're going to feel more comfortable um, throwing the ball more with him and maybe kind of relieving some of that pressure that they have on Jonathan Taylor, because there's a lot of workload that's had to go through him. A lot of touchdowns that have had to go through him. And some of that is going to be able to slide over to the wide receiver one in Michael Pittman. When you look at him, And you look at um, how he performed uh, in 2021. He had a fantastic catch rate, 68%. But the target share is what I really want to hold in on. Um, 
Out of the 285 targets that they threw, he caught 129. The next closest guy to him was Zach Pascal. Um, obviously not Paris Campbell, because unfortunately Paris Campbell can't stay on the field. But Zach Pascal had 69 targets. When you look at that discrepancy, that's massive. I just wanted to do a little comparison so you guys can understand like the major discrepancy between um, those two. So let's look at Robbie Anderson of last year. We all know that Robbie Anderson, you know, he was pretty awful last year and unreliable from a fantasy perspective. DJ Moore had 163 targets compared to Robbie Anderson's, which you would guess, you know, you might be thinking, oh, maybe similar to Zach Pascal, 60 something, 70 something. No, Robbie Anderson had 110 targets. The disparity between Michael Pittman and any other wide receiver on that Indianapolis team is massive. He's the main guy there. There is no other option. The upside for him is fantastic. I think that he's going to have, you know, he's one of the main, if not the main um, person who could be the year three breakout that we typically see. Well, oh. Major, I'm going to give you the rebuttal here for a second. I, I would like to say you were taking notes there when you turned your head down, but I know you weren't. I mean, I, I, let's be honest. There's no way you were taking notes. Not only did Tara make a good case for Michael Pittman there, but she took a couple shots at Paris Campbell along the way. I heard so it. I, I heard I'm it. going to send this over your way, Major. Come on, sell us on why Michael Pittman is not the guy that we want to make him out to be right now. Give us a case against Michael Pittman. Yeah, so – Again, I love USC players, so Pittman, with all due respect, you're my guy. But I got three reasons. Number one, you're on a team that runs the ball 100% of the time. So the, the target share that Tara was just, like, giving all those numbers, all the word salad that she just went through, it doesn't matter because he's not <laughs> going to get the opportunities to do anything. Um, number two, this year you have other players around. My guy, Paris Campbell, he's going – He's going to be ready to play this year. He's going to play a full season. He's going to be productive. But there's a rookie, Alec Pierce. He Keep your eyes on him. I think that dude got a lot of juice. He looks really good in preseason. Uh, he runs fantastic routes, good hands, and he has speed. So I think they're going to try to get him involved a lot this year. So the opportunities are going to be spread out a little bit more this year than it was last year. And then the last reason... Um, what I was looking at, I was looking on my phone here at the rankings that I have on here on Sleeper. I'm just going to go in the last, let me see, the, the top 10. I don't see him, actually, we're going top 12. So I don't see him overtaking Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Tariq Hill, Debo, C.D. I don't see him being able to crack that. Um, I they have him ranked at 14th right now, right below Jalen Waddle. So I can see him kind of moving up one because Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill may kind of cancel each other out a little bit. But, yeah, I, I I don't see him. I mean, I wish he would. I like him, but I just don't see it happening, especially do we really know how much uh, juice uh, Matt Ryan still has in that, that arm? I, in preseason, I don't know if I heard anything about him. Michael Pittman himself said that Matt Ryan can put it wherever he wants it. So uh, yeah, every yeah. yeah. And Tyreek Hill said that uh, that Tua is the greatest quarterback to ever walk the face of earth. It's part of football. It's coach talk is receiver talk. <laughs> well, you know what? we're going to put this out. We're going to put this out to Twitter. I'm going to cut both these little, little cases up here, put it out there for a Twitter vote. I mean, I got, I got right now, Michael Pittman here. I'm down compared to the consensus. The consensus Last time I checked, had him out 
wide receiver 11, give or take. I have him at 14, just behind Waddle, just behind DJ Moore to crack the top 12. That's right now. So there's there's still an opportunity for him to move up in the PPR. I think he's in that bubble. I think he's definitely in that conversation. But I'm not going to put it out of the possibilities that he does turn into a top 12 wide receiver because stranger things have happened over the course of the season. Plus, right now, I'm not the one on trial here. I'm not the one making a case. <laughs> so I can hedge my bet all day long on this nice. one. So I will say, I will say, I agree with Major on one point that Alec Pierce will be better than Paris Campbell. So I agree with you on that one. That was a really good point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. And all those guys what? you listed at receiver, what? I think Michael wow. Pittman can pass. I think Michael Pittman can pass all of them right up until that CD Lamb level. That's where I think the the line is of the CD Lamb, just because I think the upside is so high for CD Lamb. But everyone below that, um, I think, is a realistic possibility for him to be able to surpass. Well, as we get into our must say one good thing, I thought she was going to say one good thing and she had to like ruin it. Thanks. Thanks. You know, you weren't going to get an inch on that. There's no way that was going to happen. So we're talking about more, man. I could uh, defend uh, Matt Ryan a little bit more too, but I've got, I'll stop. I'm done. Well, we're going to talk about must draft wide receivers on today's show here. And just so you know, we're going to go through wide receivers that we'd like in the First three rounds, rounds four through six, rounds seven through ten, and ten and later. So if you're looking for sleeper appeal, we got you covered there. Now, just a quick little breakdown of my redraft rankings currently right now. Uh, if we're looking at the guys here in the top 20, I got Justin Jefferson followed by Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill. It hurt me to bring him up there, but I think at the end of the day, boom or bust is going to get him up there. I don't like his consistency throughout the season, but I think – when it's all said and done, the points will be there. Debo Samuel at 9, Mike Evans at 10, Keenan Allen 11, DJ Moore 12, Jalen Waddle at 13, Michael Pittman at 14, my guy Brandon Cooks coming in at wide receiver 15. That's probably a little bit hot for some people right now, but I don't care. I love me some Brandon <laughs> Cooks. Then we have Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, Darnell Mooney, Cortland Sutton, and Terry McLaren rounding out the top 20. You catch all the rankings. They're all right there over on DynastyVipers.com. They're free. Go get them. Check them out. And I will be updating them right up until the start of week number one. But let's get into this right now. Let's talk about those must-have wide receivers. Major, if you're in the first three rounds, who is that wide receiver that you want to make sure you get on your roster? I mean, it's the number one receiver in the league. It's the best player in the league, Jamar Chase. What he did last year was ridiculous. It's like him and maybe Tyreek Hill are the only two players in the league that can score from anywhere on the field at any time. He's scoring on double teams. He's scoring against the zone. He's scoring against press. He's scoring against pretty much any and everything. Um, you would think his numbers would be a little muted by the talent he's surrounded by, but Finds a way to come out with big numbers each and every week. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jamar Chase. I just, you know, I'm kind of overseeing the gritty too much. So I think that means a good thing. He's scoring a lot. So he's doing a lot of touchdown dances. But uh, other than that, is nothing but upside for this young man. And I think he's uh, he's the top of the cream of the crop when it comes to NFL, NFL receivers. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with Jamar Chase. Like you said, I ranked, I went off my list there. He was in my top three for redraft this season easily. Dynasty, I think he's number Where one. Where is he having a top three? Uh, he's number three behind Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. Ugh, come on. In man. Dynasty, he's number two right behind Justin Jefferson. Now, with Jamar Chase, you must have caught that whole uh, top 100 because they broke him down there 
talking very Jerry Rice-esque with him, being able to hit that slant, and he's gone. He doesn't need much space. Tyron Matthew came on there and just said, you know what, he absolutely embarrassed the Chiefs multiple times last season. So it's hard to argue Jamar Chase being one of those guys. I know for me, at about 109, give or take, that's definitely an area I'm targeting Jamar Chase if he's still on that board. Now, Tara, I know you've got one of my other top three guys here coming in on your player that you don't want to leave without the first three rounds. Yeah, Major and I really, uh, we really went for the top first round guys uh, to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, we didn't dig deep in there to round three, but um, mine is, uh, mine's Justin Jefferson. Um, I personally, you know, defer to Cooper Cup as the reigning wide receiver one, and we'll keep him there as he, you know, I'm going to keep him there as the defending cha- defending champion in that area. But I don't fault anyone. Um, and you mentioned that you have him ranked as number one, and I see that happening a lot. Um, Justin Jefferson is number one. I see that happening a lot and I don't fault anyone for doing that. It makes, it makes sense. Um, if you want to take Justin Jefferson, number one is off the board as your receiver as early as, you know, pick four, pick three, get your man. I have zero problem with that because I think this is the year for Justin Jefferson to break out even more than he has. And that's crazy to say, but he was literally, <laughs> if you can believe it, being held back by that offense that Mike Zimmer had there in Minnesota. Now that he's gone and the main reason for thinking that Justin Jefferson can make this epic leap to the Cooper Cup level of last year is because he now has Cooper Cup's man, (laughs) Kevin O'Connell, as his main coach. So um, it makes sense. And even Jefferson himself has said that he now sees exactly why Cup was so fantastic last year because of the design of the offense. It just makes sense that he's going to be able to make this incredible leap. When you look at his statistics from last year, he had 108 receptions compared to 145 for Cup. And yet he was the wide receiver, too. I think the sky is the limit for Justin Jefferson, and he's going to have a fantastic year. What can Justin Jefferson do with 191 targets? Wow. It'll be insane. Yeah. I I would hope. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Cooper Cup that just about broke all these receiving records last season. He got a few of them. And we're getting a younger, faster, more talented Justin Jefferson in this very same offense. And I know Adam Thielen, he's going to play a role in it. But, you know, Robert Woods was still there for part of the season. Odell Beckham Jr. was still there in Los Angeles there for part of the season. So, I mean, there were players there in Los Angeles that could have put a damper on Cooper Cup season. It did not happen. I mean, maybe is Kirk Cousins going on breakfast dates with Justin Jefferson? I don't know, but I have a hard time believing that Justin Jefferson is not going to blow out in a big way in 2022. But for me, I'm looking at – Right now, there is a big seven when it comes to wide receivers to get drafted in the first two rounds. Jefferson, Cup, Chase are obviously right there. Adams, Diggs, Samuel, and C.D. Lamb is that other guy right there. Now, Tara, last season, I think you were on Team Lamb with me as well. It did not go over well for us. I think he finished his wide receiver 22 last season. We kind of took one on the chin there a little bit as he was a low-end wide receiver too. I'll also accept A.J. Brown. I'll, I'll let him slide into maybe the big eight as far as wide receiver ones are concerned heading into the season. Now, I'm stubborn, and maybe that's why I'm going right back to Lamb. I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give him another shot here. But with the departure of Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, look, the Cowboys are left with a 214 vacated targets, which works out to about 32% of the targets from a season ago. That is great news for C.D. Lamb, who was targeted 121 times Hauled in 79 passes for just over 1,100 yards. With more opportunities, I'm expecting Lamb to take a huge jump this year. But it's not just that. 
It's where those opportunities came from. When you look closer, Cooper saw 20% of the Cowboys' targets in the red zone to Lamb's 11%. If CeeDee Lamb can get an increase in that red zone, we know Dalton Schultz is still going to play a factor in it. I'm sure Tony Pollard is going to play a factor. Zeke Elliott, he's going to play a factor in the red zone. But if he can turn that 11% into 20 25%, I mean, add a few more touchdowns, I think Lamb easily can be that guy who's going to be flirting with top five wide receiver numbers throughout the entire season. So he's a guy right now you're getting at the back end of the first, early into the second that I feel really comfortable about, as, long, as well as like Stefan Diggs. He's got his situation there in Buffalo. We know what that's like with Josh Allen. Debo Samuel, I'm not quite on that one right now, but I can see where the potential for him to be one of those top seven wide receivers. But I feel Lamb is pretty safe where he is, especially when you look at where the ADP is kind of pushing him back a little bit compared to a a Jamar Chase, compared to a Justin Jefferson and a Cooper Cup, who are probably going early to mid first round right now. So I think the value is a little bit better on C.D. Lamb, and he's a guy I'm definitely targeting each and every draft early on. I'm hoping the back end of the first, early second round is kind of where I'm targeting more often than not. I just really feel that these seven wide receivers, eight wide receivers, including A.J. Brown, I really feel outside of me the top three running backs, you could go and make a case for any of these seven, eight wide receivers to be ahead of the next running back in that pecking order, whoever you may have in that spot. Now, we're going to turn our attention to, we're going to try and give guys a little bit of an advantage here. We're going to turn our attention to rounds four through six major. Who is that wide receiver that you're targeting in that round four through six area? Yeah, and to me, I think this gentleman is a league winner. If you're getting him in the fourth round and lower, this is a league winner. Rashad Bateman has opportunity to be um, a ball hog, and you don't really get too many of these anymore. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my I can't find anyone in the offense that um, that's the main weapon. That's the pretty much the only weapon. So, so Bateman, he all the targets is going to him. I mean, he's very modest number so far, 46 receptions, 515 yards, a touchdown, but his talent far more outweighs like those stats. Um, I think we're just scratching the surface with him. Uh, we're talking earlier about likely being like the third receiver behind him. Um, so you you're having two tight ends and and a receiver so it's going to be his offense to do whatever he wants to do with it i think the last one was like aj brown when uh before before julio got there i guess but um yeah you don't get that too often where you have a player who's the sole like focal point in the passing game well we just talked about those vacated targets that cd lamb has hopefully just seen uptick in production because of well, in Baltimore, we know Marquise Hollywood-Brown. He had about 151, 149 targets last season. Sammy Watkins, for some reason, had like 60 targets last season. Good Those point. targets, even though that we're expecting the Ravens to kick it back old school, back to 2019 with Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, if they're healthy, we still don't have that indication yet if they're going to be 100% right now. I mean, Rashad Bateman right now, if you're looking at round six, is probably where you're typically going to get him. Maybe even round seven. I think there's some good value to be had there. Now, Tara, who's a wide receiver that you're targeting in rounds four through six? I really uh, I really like Allen Robinson. And, you know, it, as I, I've come along to him as we've gotten closer into the season. And it really comes down to taking a look at the statistics from last year. When you look at um, Robert Woods and Odo Beckham Jr., who kind of split that role first half and second half um, as the second guy between 
behind Cooper Cup. And I think we kind of forget sometimes because we were very disappointed with Robert Woods because it was Robert Woods who we thought was going to have that incredible um, breakout performance hooking up with Matt Stafford. And, you know, we got the reverse with Cooper Cup. But Robert Woods, you know, despite being below expectations, wasn't actually all that bad last year um, through the first nine games of the season before he got hurt. I think nine before he got hurt. Um he was actually a wide receiver one statistically in terms of overall total points scored. He was a wide receiver two in terms of his average points per game. And that was pretty good. All things considered that he got off to a very slow start. Then you look at Odell <clears throat> as well. Once he finally came on and got acclimated to the offense um, in, uh, in uh, the Rams, he had um, a decent amount of target share. He had multiple touchdown opportunities. He had uh, five touchdowns to close out the season. And I think when we look at that opportunity that Allen Robinson has, and we look at the talent that he has, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to fairly easily pay off as a wide receiver too, with some upside and some boom bust capabilities in that offense with Stafford. And where you're looking at taking him right now, there's nothing but upside. Um, even in, you know, depending on where you're drafting and what platform you're using, he might be ranked right now, um, in terms of ADP as a low end wide receiver too, but for the most part, he's going a little bit outside of that. And so unless you're in a league where, you know, obviously people are well adept and paying attention and realize the upside that, uh, Allen Robinson has in terms of having a technical breakout season in terms of breaking back into the guy that he used to be. I think you're going to be able to get Allen Robinson for very good value in terms of the upside and the output that he can provide. Well, I want to talk about Allen Robinson's former teammate as my guy here right now. I just got to give you my rankings. Ahead of him is my wide receiver 18, and that's Darnell Mooney. By the way, I will also accept Brandon Cooks in this range all day, every day. It doesn't matter. I love myself some Brandon Cooks. I'm going to give you two. I make the rules. I make the rules, okay? I'm giving you two for the rest of the way. I'm giving you two more every single round. But for me, Mooney right now is – I've got him at wide receiver 18. The ADP currently has him sitting around wide receiver 27. I am nine spots higher on the ADP. I'm seven spots higher on the consensus for Darnell Mooney. I don't know what more I can do, how hard, much harder I have to bang the drum to get people to pay attention to Darnell Mooney. You can say everything you want. You can throw the Justin Fields factor into it. You can throw this into it. You can throw that into it. End of the day, where else are you going to get a wide receiver three currently in the ADP that's going to give you 150 targets? Guaranteed. I He had 140 last season. How many more targets does Darnell Moody, what more does he have to do to prove to people that he is the man? Look, we're talking about a talented wide receiver with a talented quarterback. Once that quarterback figures it out, and I'm hoping that Everlay gets that figured out there as a coordinator or the head coach now in Chicago, that, hey, you know what? If we get Justin Fields out of the pocket, he actually still scores wide our quarterback one tight numbers each and every week. When they had eight and a half design runs for Justin Fields, he produced for fantasy. If they get Fields out of that pocket with Mooney's ability to separate, I mean, this is going to be magic in Chicago. But 25.8% target share last season was the sixth best among pass catchers. And there's no other real options in this passing game. Cole Komet is there, sure, whatever. That's a tight end. You look at rookie in 2020, Mooney saw 98 targets. Then that jumped to 140 last season. We're seeing this progress each and every year. And I'm not worried about Allen Robinson not being there 
because Allen Robinson wasn't there last year. Darnell Mooney was the guy. He was all the time. He had the number one corner on him each and every week, and he still produced. So for me, we need to wake up. To, you know what? Wait till after we're done drafting, okay? If we're drafting in a league, let him go. I'll be more than happy to plug him in in the fifth round, sixth round, every single time. This is a wide receiver that I think could be pushed towards round early, mid-round four, and I feel comfortable taking him there as, 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 as I do with Brandon Cooks. I think, I think we need to show Darnell Mooney a little bit more love. Now, I will let you both chime in on that because I've seen both those wheels turning on both of you there, starting with Major. Uh, I just have a quick question. Do you think the offensive line and, you know, are they going to give a quarterback enough time to even throw the ball to Mooney? Because it seems like it's going to be a long season for the Bears. I'm not too worried about that offensive line. If they were better, I'd feel more be- I'd feel more confident about it. But we've seen this production despite that last season. There are some better players here that some people aren't even talking about on this Bears offensive line that are upgrades. There's a reason why Tevin Jenkins is on the trade block at right tackle. They've found better options for the Chicago Bears line. I mean, it was bad last year. I'll give you that. But I think they are going to take that step up. Tara? Um, I agree with you on Mooney. Um, He's 100% one of my targets. And I don't think Chicago is going to really figure it out (laughs) as much as they need to. But I I don't think it really matters. I think he is the clear, um, obvious target target hog in that offense um i just don't i just can't stand for the slander of cole Komet. i don't want to you know that's my that's my dude that i'm leaning on as my um breakout tight end into the uh into the top five so uh so yeah sorry i just made a face there on cole Komet because that's my that's my guy <laughs> well hey it's possible that he gets 100 i'm not worried about cole Komet. he's going to get 100 targets it's going to this bears team is going to have to throw Let's call it the way it is. They're not going to be one of the better teams in the league. They're going to have to throw. And they've got two guys. By- Byron Pringle? No. I mean, I couldn't even tell you who the – there's a Moore in there. I think David Moore is there. That's not he an option. Equity St. Brown? I mean, no. No, there's no – it's Cole Komet and it's Darnell Mooney. That is it. That is all. Maybe throwing some David Montgomery. Maybe throwing some Ebner there from time to time. I mean, for the most part, this Bears offense, this it's not the greatest – but it has some good players, good pieces. And like I said, Cole Komet's a guy I'm drafting in the ninth, 10th round at the tight end position, and I'm feeling pretty darn good about that. Now, Major, speaking of drafting players in the ninth and 10th round, let's turn our attention to wide receivers in that 7 through 10 area right now, and who are you targeting? I got to go with my boy, Brent Ayuk. I've been love and hate the whole time. Uh, we still don't know why he was in a doghouse last year. Still doesn't make any sense to me. But he looks more energized. He looks uh, lean, cut up. His he has a lot of energy when he's playing. Now it seems like uh, he and um, and Trey Lance have a good little connection going. Uh, I, I'm feeling the breakout for Brandon. I think we say this kind of like every year for him so far, but it, this time it feels different. So I think just having a different quarterback. That offense is going to be prolific. It's going to be a couple receivers out. You know, Debo's going to go for a thousand. He's going to throw for go for a thousand as well. He's going to have that breakout season we've all been waiting for. So I'm putting my money on Brandon. So if you get him in the seventeenth round, I think that's really that's a steal right there. Major, what's your favorite football team? 49ers. Right, that's what I thought. <laughs> but in all honesty, here I said with for me for Brandon Ayuk, I need to see something with. Samuel and Kittle both in the lineup. I mean, if one of them goes down, I'm all in on Brandon Ayuk. We've seen him succeed when one of those guys go down. My biggest concern right now is 
the Trey Lance factor. What is Trey Lance going to do when he pulls that ball down? Because we know Trey Lance is going to pull that ball down from time to time, which means fewer passes, which means fewer opportunities, not just for Brandon Ayuk, but for Debo Samuel, for George Kittle. So I'm really interested to see how this 49ers offense comes together. I'm not as high on Trey Lance as some other people out there right now, mm. but I'm not against what he's able to do. I, I want to see it first. I want to, I, I got to see what he can do with this offense. I want to see what he can be as a passer. I mean, talent-wise, arm talent, leg talent, whatever you want to call it, he's got it. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. If he can hone that in and kind of bring it down, then this offense, I agree with you, could be quite prolific. Now, Tara, your targets. See, Tara's playing the game now, too. She's giving us two targets here from round seven through ten. Tara, let us hear what you got. I mean, there's just so many options in there. It's kind of like, you know, there's kind of a goldmine of uh, guys that could really break out in that area. But um, my first guy that I'm going to go with, I'll make it quick because we already talked about the main reason why I'm high on Chris Olave is that I am not high on Michael Thomas. I prefer to completely pass on Michael Thomas and just go ahead and draft Chris Olave as the later option because I think he's going to end up being the wide receiver one in that offense possibly sooner rather than later. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people overlook with Olave, um, you look at someone like Traylon Burks and, you know, he's has to make some steps. And I think we kind of knew that coming in that he had to make, you know, a few steps and adjustments coming into the NFL. But Chris Olave is one of the most NFL ready receivers of the 2022 rookie class. He can get out there right now and contribute on multiple levels. He can play the slot should Michael Thomas not be able to do so. If Michael Thomas is in the slot, Chris Olave can play on the outside and be that deep threat that the Saints desperately need. Um, he's just so incredibly well-rounded. He can lead this team from multiple aspects. And I think he's going to have a really good connection with Jameis Winston, who has already spoken glowingly of him. And I just really love Chris Olave as an option right now. He's got an ADP over 100. And just a fantastic high upside option should things shake out the way that I think they're going to shake out with Michael Thomas. Um, my other guy I'll hit on it really quick is uh, Christian Kirk. It's really simple with that one. Um, we give Christian Kirk a lot of, we give Christian Kirk a lot of crap because people are like, who's, you know, it's the Jags and the contract was kind of outrageous, but you have to kind of put that stuff aside. That has nothing to do with fantasy football. Um, from a fantasy football perspective, he is, he is the wide receiver one in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence is going to have to throw the ball and Christian Kirk is miles ahead of the other options, no offense to guys like, I mean, like we like Marvin Jones, but he's a little up there in age right now. I think we can all admit that he didn't really separate himself significantly last year from a lot of those other low end guys. And I think Christian Kirk is just so far ahead and going to be the clear number one option there. And for where you're drafting him, it's kind of crazy to be able to get somebody who was the clear wide receiver one at this, you know, at this draft range. So for me, you need to be walking away with Christian Kirk as much as humanly possible in drafts. I'm worried with you there, man. If I can get Christian Kirk as my wide receiver three on any of my rosters, yeah, I am laughing. And I'm getting him as a wide receiver four more often than not. We're talking again, targets equal opportunity. And the targets are going to be there for Christian Kirk in Duval County. I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing a guy who's going to get 120 to 130 targets easy and probably somewhere flirt with that 90 receptions, 1,100 yards, six, seven touchdowns. I think that's what we can expect from Christian Kirk here this season. Now, for me, you know I wasn't going to go an entire show without talking about Jacoby Myers at some point. 
Listen, Myers, he led this Patriots team in targets with 80 or with 126, receptions with 83, in yards 866, and the competition remains Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne. 23% target share, 66% catch rate. I'm all in on Jacoby Myers. Again, we're talking about guys who are going to be your wide receiver four. I mean, I like him in PPR. Maybe not so much in standard, but, the, you know, he's going to get more than two touchdowns this season, right? <laughs> it's got to happen. Now, the other guy I want to talk about, he has been one of the preseason darlings here. I am getting him everywhere. I don't care if I have to reach to get him because I don't think it's going to be a reach in this area, 7 through 10, and that is George Pickens. Pickens has been that dude. He's that, He's got that dog in him there. I mean, you're watching a guy. If you watch a college film, he literally goes he out there. And, <laughs> yeah, I know. The dog's going crazy. He's going out there, and he's smashing corners. He's giving the old shh. Runs a guy over, turns to the side, like gives a shh one more time to the opposing bench. So you know Pickett, he is just built differently. He's developing. He's still developing as a pro-wide receiver. And look what he's been able to do so far. It, and Pickett, for his quarterback here, I don't care about Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky's not the answer. When we're looking at these guys in the 7 through 10 rounds, we are looking for guys with high upside who are going to hit their stride from week 8, week 9, week 10, week 11. Well, Kenny Pickett has that it factor. From every beat writer I've talked about, he has that it factor. Well, if your quarterback has the it factor and you're already a dog out there, that's a good combination to have. Listen, when you look at the preseason snaps here on the routes, Pickens had 17, Chase Claypool had 10 as far as routes are concerned for the in the last preseason game. So that's telling me right now that George Pickens has a clear hold on that wide receiver twos position there in Pittsburgh. And that Chase Claypool, who's actually getting drafted ahead of him in snake drafts, who's actually getting a higher bid placed on him in auction drafts, for some reason, people are still ignoring George Pickens. Give me the upside here. When weeks 8 through 9 and 10, whatever, start to hit, and you're looking for that wide receiver who's going to take off, it's going to be Pickens. I feel comfortable with him there, even if Trubisky's under center there, because I know that kind of caught Tara off guard a little bit there, talking about Mitch Trubisky and me dogging him a little bit. But the truth is, I think Kenny Pickett is going to be that guy. I don't think the Steelers right. are going to be in playoff contention, so I think they're going to make that swap round week eight, round week nine, and just then we know that Pickett is going to be hitting the stride. You're no longer a rookie after week eight, right, Major? You're no longer a rookie. you got no more right. excuses after week eight. You are now a professional athlete. Look for George Pickens to be that guy down the stretch. Were, He's not already there. I think you're right about everything you said, but the Steelers are always in playoff contention. I don't care where yeah, they are, who they are. It, it's always – they're always there somehow. Uh, you know so what? I, I would be right there with you if it wasn't for how good that AFC is. Yeah, you're I right. Mean, that AFC is stacked. If you look at this right now, Pittsburgh squeezed into the playoffs last season, last year, just got in because L.A. decided to call a timeout. You look at the teams that are not in the playoff picture right now, or even the ones that are. Tennessee, they got the playoffs last season too. You may make an argument that they're not no longer a playoff team as well. I mean, those are probably the two teams. Raiders, they're going to be in a dogfight as well. So there's no guarantee the Raiders make the playoffs this season. So you're talking about three teams that were in the playoffs last season that are bubble teams. That means there's a bunch of teams coming up that are all kinds of potential. Miami, New England, a couple of teams off the bat. If Cleveland can hang around till week 12, they have a shot of the playoffs. So, I mean, there's so many teams that are going to be in that dogfight for the playoffs. I don't know if Pittsburgh can keep up with them. I mean, you're talking about that, that, that AFC North. You're talking about Cincinnati twice. You're talking about Baltimore, who did not make the playoffs last season twice. Those are some big games. Cleveland is going to be tough with or without Deshaun Watson. That's still got a good defense. They can still run the ball. 
Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh is in a tough division where they could legitimately go 0 and 6, 1 and 5. I mean, that is a strong possibility of what's going to happen. If yeah. you do that in any division, you're not making the playoffs. So I yeah. think by week eight, week nine, we'll have a pretty good idea of where Pittsburgh truly stands. I say George Pickens is like my rookie of the year pick, offensive rookie of the year right now. Well, I'm Greg Cassell basically said over fantasy points, he was Greg Cassell's number one rookie wideout coming out of the draft. And I'm sure he would have been a lot higher on a lot of people's boards. It wasn't for some character situations there, but we know how Pittsburgh handles character. I mean, Mike Tomlin has been able to handle guys such as Antonio Brown and keep that under wraps. We see what happened once Antonio Brown got on his own. Chase Claypool is quite the character. I mean, that's starting to sneak out a little bit. Oh, Juju Schuster, a character. All this was kind of contained in a nice little bow in Pittsburgh. So that I, Mike Tomlin is definitely one of the best coaches. So I won't put it out of the possibilities that he's going to have in contention. I just I can't see it in this AFC. If they were in the NFC, absolutely. That's another story for another day. Right. But now let's talk sleepers here. Let's talk rounds 10 and later. This is where Major loves the most. He loves finding these diamonds in the rough. 50-50 type guys, and he's going to turn his attention to Houston with this selection. Yeah, so I'm going to go with my guy, Nico Collins. I know everyone – you know what? Actually, I'm only selecting Nico Collins because Matt has been talking up Brandon Cook so much, he's going to put, like, the Donnelly stink on him or something. So I'm just going to give all my love to Nico, and uh, I think he's going – and he has a good connection with um, Brian – was David Mill? David Mills and uh, they've been looking really, yeah, they've been looking good in camp. Um, really good connection. I, I think you know everyone's saying that Brandon Cook is going to be the man. He's going to get all the targets and all that, but no one's saying anything about Nico. Nico is a bigger receiver, so I think he's going to be used more in red zone. Um, so I'm 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 all in on him. Since you guys all been giving two, I'm going to give three. So I'm going to go. My, I spoke about him earlier, my guy Alec Pierce. I think he's going to have a really, really good season. So pick him up wherever you can. I think they're labeling him as the Cooper Cup 2.0 already. So, I mean, if he's half of Cooper Cup, I'm I'm all in. And then one guy that people don't really talk about, Shoney Love, to DJ Sharp. I think he's going to have a really good season. This is a, the, the, the prove-it season. He's on a one-year contract, one-year $10 million. So far in camp, he looks good. Um, he's a deep threat. He's he has size. I think he's going to be using the red zone as well. Uh, I think Jared Goff. I think this is his like shot to really prove himself as a as a quarterback in the league. Um, even though he had a couple opportunities already, but I kind of feel like this whole team is kind of like at this. You know, everyone has to show what they can do. Is kind of put up a show for for Detroit, and I I kind of like the energy. I've been watching the uh, the hard knocks a little bit, so I. I got a little uh, bias from that, but you know I'm liking what what the Lions are doing. And DJ Shark to me, he's a veteran in that locker room as well in that receiver core. So I think he's uh, he's a man out there. I think. Well, speaking of men, we're going to turn our attention to Canada's second greatest football export, behind myself, of course, and that's Joshua Palmer from Brampton, Ontario. Tara, take it away. Let's hype up some Joshua Palmer. I don't even know Compton. Where's Brompton? What's that about? <laughs> Brampton, Ontario, man. Come on. The Compton of Ontario. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tara. I like that. <laughs> oh, man. I shouldn't have made myself cough. Or laugh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cough. <clears throat> but, guys, <laughs> Joshua Palmer, seriously. Um, 
when I look at this Chargers offense, <clears throat> I am trying to get as many pieces of the offense as possible because it's not just that it's a fantastic option, um, a fantastic offense. It's that the majority of their players are uniquely positioned to be at very good value for their ADP, which is kind of crazy for an offense that is so aggressively high in firepower that they can all be, um, you're not having to actually reach on any of them to get them. So I'm trying to grab as many of these pieces as possible. And Joshua Palmer is one of those pieces because he has firmly established himself as the wide receiver three in that offense there. And is the wide receiver three going to have a very significant role in that offense when you look at the pass catching options that they have with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler, obviously? Probably not. It's probably not going to be something that you're throwing into the flex position on a weekly basis. But what I like about him is he is a very fantastic late round value that has extremely high upside should any of these options go down. So if we lose Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, which is actually, you know, it's a high probability because, you know, Keenan Allen is a little bit up there in age. And then Mike Williams is, you know, he, he plays hard. He tends to get injured. I won't say he's injury prone, but he plays with reckless abandon and tends to put his body in harm's way. So Joshua Palmer is going to have opportunities in this offense. And he's proven last year, when we look at the statistics, whenever he was able to come in, and get higher than a 60% uh, snap count share within that offense. He had touchdowns. He had um, high target shares. He had great catch rates. He's a fantastic young receiving option, and the opportunity is there for him should it appear. And I want him sitting on my bench for when that does happen this year. So he's someone that I'm definitely looking at in the back half of drafts. And then the second guy, real quick, um, Jalen Tolbert. Um, it's, it's weird because we kind of hit that early, um, camp buzz with Jalen Tolbert and then it kind of died off a little bit as we've had some of these other guys like George Pickens that Matt mentioned has, uh, come up and flashed very quickly. But I think Jalen Tolbert still has good late round value, um, because the route, the value has stayed good within the late round. So he's not someone that you're having to reach for and, with Michael Gallup injured, he is going to be back. Um, we've got James Washington, who was going to play that third role that is going to be out for a significant portion of the season. And Jalen Tolbert is going to be able to establish himself as a starting receiver in this offense. And this is an offense that is going to be good. I know we sometimes look at last year and the inconsistency in terms of the output that we got from C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper from a receiving perspective from Dak. But we also have to remember that Dak was coming off a very significant injury. And this is still going to be a good offense. There's still going to be a high volume pass offense. And Tolbert has shown that he can be an integral piece in this offense. So he's someone that you definitely want to be targeting later rounds. I, I also like that. So Josh, going back to the Josh Palmer thing, I was listening to Rich Rebar there talking on the Lindsay Rhodes show. And we all believe in the third year breakout wide receiver. And he's like, well, it's not, it's not quite the third year. It's actually the second year wide receivers that have the better breakout potential, especially when you look at their ADP. And a guy like Joshua Palmer has a better opportunity as a second-year wide receiver to outproduce his current ADP. So that's something that people need to kind of listen to. You go catch Rich Rebar there on the Lindsay Road Show. That just dropped here, I think, today or last night. So, or I guess you can't really tell because we're really not live right now either. So that dropped <laughs> earlier this week. So definitely take a look at that because Rich Rebar, hey, he's a pretty smart guy. Now for me, two wide receivers. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know I love myself. So Isaiah McKenzie. And I love myself some Wandell Robinson. And these are two players I am not leaving my drafts without. In week two of the preseason, we have Stefan Diggs, six snaps. Gabriel Davis, six snaps. Isaiah McKenzie, 
five snaps. Those are the only wide receivers for the Bills playing with the first team. Jameson Crowder, he's on the second team. That basically confirms that McKenzie is going to be the starter. And we all know what the starter in the slot is capable of doing in this Buffalo Bills offense. Cole Beasley's two seasons or three seasons in Buffalo resulted in 231 receptions, 325 targets, 2,438 yards, 11 touchdowns. Yeah, I feel pretty good about Isaiah McKenzie, especially where that ADP currently has him right now. And we also seen him go off pretty in a big way last season, one game. And then for Wondell Robinson, he's another guy I'm targeting much later in drafts simply because of his potential. We just talked about George Pickens here. One week's eight, week's nine, week 10, when these rookie wide receivers typically hit their stride, Wondell Robinson is going to be doing the same. Look, the receivers in New York, they simply cannot stay healthy. Kenny Galladay, he still looks like a shell of his former self. Kadarius Tony, who I love, Guess what? He is hurt again, and that's going to be a, a, something that continues on and on and on. Wondell Robinson is going to be the last man standing. And you notice how I didn't mention Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton? Robinson, he's going to line up everywhere, in the backfield, in the slot, on the outside. They're going to move Robinson all over in this Brian Dable-type offense. We know Robinson's got going to be the wide receiver, two in this rotation. He's going to be all, all over the place. He's going to go deep. His progressions on his route have been improving greatly. And he just looked quick getting in and out of his breaks, even when he wasn't targeted necessarily. So Wondell Robinson, he's been having a good preseason. All indications are he's having an absolutely outstanding camp. And we know that these Giants wide receivers are name brand wide receivers. That doesn't mean they're good. Kenny Galladay still has his name. Some people think it still has some value going back to the Detroit Lions days. We haven't seen that since he's come over to the New York Giants. Sterling Shepard, he had a pretty good start last season. If you guys recall, we were like, okay, Sterling Shepard, he's got it going. And then he had that injury and was basically out of there. So Wondell Robinson's going to have an opportunity because he's going to be durable. He's going to be able to stand. I am a little bit concerned about his ability to fight through contact because he is a bit of a smaller type wide receiver. But the potential is going to be there. And I, I kind of like this Giants offense probably more than I probably should. So I'm willing to give these guys a shot here in 2022. And Daniel Jones, hey. It's make or break for you, buddy. With that said, this has been the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Head to fantasypoints.com. Use promo code 22VIPERS10. Get 10% off that subscription. And we will see you next week. Take care now.